to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician Dr. Robert Jackson with his wife Carlotta and daughter Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, and I have a special guest in the studio with me today. His name is Zoe Warren. Welcome, Zoe. Greetings, Dr. Jackson. Well, I have met Zoe multiple times at various functions in Columbia, South Carolina, and I became enthralled with his emphasis on the Second Amendment. He has a weekly video production called 2A for Today. So, Zoe, tell us a little bit about your video productions. Uh, yeah, I I am the host of 2A for Today, and it's exactly what you said. It's a Second Amendment program. We We just kind of explore all things Second Amendment, everything that protects, threatens, and violates the Second Amendment rights of all Americans, the God-given rights of all Americans. I produce that program, meaning I, I, I host it, I shoot it, I edit it. I have an assistant. He's my son. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty new endeavor for me, and it's, uh, it's being done for the New American Magazine. The New American Magazine that distributes. Come, it comes out, what, every week, every other week? It's a weekly program, yes, sir. I got you. That's amazing. Well, how how long does it take you to actually produce one of your uh, video productions for the New American? You know, I came from a, a high-end production background, video production background, so I wanted to do it like the old programs that I was used to back when we all used to watch broadcast TV every day, like Video Justice and Cops, stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so what I did was I took a lot of time um, to develop the show so it would kind of play like that. And so I, I do like two or three, sometimes more, different topics, different stories. And um, so it takes me about a 10-hour day to write it, which is, you know, three or four program uh, segments. And then a whole another eight hours uh, to 10 hours to edit it together and get it ready to deliver. That's amazing, Zoe. That is amazing. That's a lot of effort, a lot of work, and a lot of creativity. And and I've seen some of your productions, and they are very, very good. I, I enjoy watching them. Well, now, d- describe for my audience the Second Amendment and what it means to us today. The Second Amendment really just points at reality and says we see it. The Second Amendment is actually um, our founder's saw this truth, it was self-evident to them that God had given men the right to not only defend themselves, but to defend their communities. Uh, I believe that the Second Amendment is essentially our founders saying, we understand that it is necessary for the security of a free state for the people, the nation, to bear arms, because we've seen what happens when a standing army and a malevolent king or just malevolent beings take precedent and they begin to wield out oppression. And so um, the Second Amendment is just essentially our God-given right to keep and bear arms in order to protect ourselves and our neighbors and our family. Um, And so I the Second Amendment, if, even if it wasn't written, it exists <laughs> in the fabric of all that we that we are. It's just it's a part of God, and it's you know. So anyway, yeah. And and you know, tyrants in all parts of the world do not want the common man to have 
weaponry or the right to defend themselves and their neighbors. And our founding fathers wanted the common man in America to be able to protect themselves against tyranny. And so right. they were they were very prescient and forward looking when they wrote that second amendment to the constitution so that you and I would have the ability to always defend our homes and our communities against tyranny. So what does the second amendment mean to you and me today? We understood what they thought in the founding of our nation. What does it mean to us today? Uh, well, Thomas Jefferson pretty much radicalized me for liberty. <laughs> he made me a, a right-wing extremist as, as the, uh, I guess the media and the mass culture of Marxists would, would mark me um, because he is the one that kind of expressed some of these truths. I mean, he's an erudite guy. He's none but an armed nation can dispense with a standing army. That's exactly and what, right. And at their time, there was no standing army. Now, I'm not trying to say we should be against our own military. That's not the point here. The point still is that uh, there is no other way for a nation to remain free and to have liberty than for the nation to be fully armed. And so for for us today, I believe that we have to understand how the Second Amendment came to be. I believe that our founders and the, the you know the people that were alive at that time that were philosophers, preachers, ministers, thinkers, um, whether they were part of the Enlightenment era or the re reformers, or, you know, whatever. It, it didn't matter where they came from. I think that they wanted to protect your right of conscience. Um, they wanted to be able to make sure that there was no violence perpetrated against the conscience of men. That's right. By the government in a way that they could not have their grievance heard and justice met. Um, the First Amendment explores that, and so does the Second. I, I believe that the founders wanted to protect the first and second great commands given to us by Jesus with the first and second amendments. And I'll briefly just share that the first amendment is obvious, you know, to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is protected by it. How the right of assembly. So you can congregate and worship the right of the press. Now I'm not just talking about to write stuff, you know, as a journalist, but I'm talking about to go print a Bible. They were putting people to death for that. <laughs> just exactly. a few hundred years prior, you know, even at that, at that point. Uh, so um, the freedom of, religion, freedom of expression, you have the ability to file a grievance. If you're just living your conscience and your government violated, trespassed you, you the, your government has to listen to your complaint and determine whether or not the government was out of line. And the Second Amendment is in order for you to be able to love your neighbor as yourself. What do you mean, though? Well, I mean, if you're going to defend yourself and protect yourself, then you're enjoined by God. It is your duty to now do the same for your neighbor. And so that's what the militia was really about. It was about being able to protect the conscience of men. What do you mean by conscience? So what I mean is that it is a violation and it is violence upon my conscience for me to watch in terror as my neighbor is terrorized. If I would defend and protect myself, and I, if you try to prevent me from defending and protecting my neighbor, that's what they really want to do right now. If I went outside and my neighbor was in trouble and, and, and I, and I was def to defend them. There are people in our country right now that would want to jail me. That's they would cool. rather me sit there and have my conscience violated than actually obey the second greatest command to love my neighbor as myself. Those are good thoughts. Those are deep thoughts that should 
cause a lot of my listeners to do some deep thinking. I appreciate that. I really do. Well, now, everybody understands our right to defend ourselves. But what does your say, your show about the Second Amendment present to us that we don't already know? Well, I believe that part of what my show is designed to do is make people aware of some of the trespasses of our rights that are being enacted, uh, judicial tyranny, executive overreach. Um, I mean, truly legislative (laughs) garbage coming down the pipe. So my show, uh, we endeavor to keep people aware of the, the things that are coming down the pipe that are negative and also the things that are being done to strengthen and uphold our God given rights. I mean, some, we are at a point now where we have some legislatures that are essentially being forced to write resolutions as laws saying, we're just going to do what the constitution says. Okay. We're just, we're going to uphold that. We don't care what the federal government says. (laughs) Matter of fact, we're going to have our AG look at anything the federal government decides that they want to do and determine whether or not it's even constitutional. And if it's not, we're not doing that. We have to actually write laws now to that effect. (laughs) it's, It's laughable, isn't it? It is absolutely laughable. It's the, it's an error that we've entered into because of how far from the Constitution we've strayed. I mean, we are living in a prosecutocracy under the color of law, so much so that you so you really can't even bring a, a, cons- a pocket Constitution into a courtroom and read from it today because the courts operate under color of law, and they don't even recognize the ascendancy, the, primi- the primacy of our Constitution. And that's so heartbreaking. It just breaks my heart. It, it, it hurts my heart to know that what you've just said is true in so many courts in our land, that they don't recognize the Constitution as the supreme rule of law in our land. Well, tell, just tell me about some of your programs. Just describe a typical program that my, my audience would like to know about. Okay, yeah, a typical program would I try to be funny. I'm kind of serious on the call today. But I try to say funny things. I, I, I fancy myself uh, like a junior or amateur comedian. I, I, I'm not really good off the cuff, but I'm pretty good kind of writing it. Yes, <laughs> so I write some comedy into it. I'll take clips from movies, you know, like, for instance, um, whenever we expect the federal government to back off and they won't, I'll put in a clip of, like, you know, Pharaoh from Moses uh, whenever uh, f- from the Ten Commandments, when Moses is like, "Hear the word of the Lord, Pharaoh, and obey," and, Mo- and Pharaoh says to Moses, "Obey, Moses, Moses." <laughs> <laughs> so I'll put in some comedy like that. But generally speaking, I I'll bring in uh, different stories, different uh, incidents that have happened, uh, different laws that have been, you know, perpetrated on the American people, or laws that they're trying to get through legislatures. For instance, like right now, there is a a ban they're trying to work in California um, on gun shows at their fairs because the fairs are essentially run by the boards and they're done on government or public property, excuse me. And so because of that, they were able to work in, they always do an end around of the constitution. They don't actually, you know, abide by the constitution. They figure some loophole, they find some strategy to get around the constitution and prohibit things in a way that is, you know, I mean, obviously unconstitutional, but legal. Uh-huh. And so they're trying to end gun shows now in California 
at at state fairs. Now they the, some of those things have been beat back, but that that'll that's kind of that's the kind of thing that'll be in one of my programs. Also, too, I mean, sixty one percent of counties in the United States of America now have some form of Second Amendment sanctuary um, policy that has been passed. That's a lot. I mean, between states and counties, we have the majority in the country. I think Tell my listeners what a Second Amendment sanctuary means. A Second Amendment sanctuary essentially is what we talked about just a few minutes ago, where a jurisdiction, whether a county, uh, you know, where a sheriff is pretty much the president of the county, <laughs> or, um, uh, or even a state, um, decides that they are going to give one of their officials, with the AG, the state AG, or even the sheriff himself, the ability to determine whether or not a federal law meets the smell test of the Constitution. And if it does not, then they will not enforce the federal statute. They've even taken some of these jurisdictions and they have determined that some of the acts that have already been passed by Congress in the past, federal acts that are, you know, would infringe upon your rights to bear arms are unconstitutional. And they name them that they're infringements. And so they will not enforce those. <laughs> I got you. I got you. It's a, it's it's the, the people have the power. We have the power. The federal government does not have the power. What the centrists will do, what what elitist types will do, is they will take as much yard as you will give them. That's right. That's right. And we as the individuals, we as the people need to understand that ultimately the power in the United States resides with the people. The federal government only has specific enumerated powers. And those powers are very limited. And yeah. the government has overreached and gone beyond those enumerated powers. And we, the people, need to push back, push back and regain the, the, mm -hmm. the privileges, the authority, the rights and the freedoms that was once ours. Well, let me move to another question then. Do we really need a, a militia mindset? It, it, isn't that the role of the of law enforcement to protect us and to protect our homes and our communities? Why do we need a militia mindset? Well, I, I believe that we're enjoined upon God in this country to be his ministers who bear the sword. I, I don't even know that it's like um, we have a choice unless we want to be lorded over. I don't think that the founders made room for that in the Constitution. And if, if we want to change the Constitution, then we can do that. So far, we've been allowing uh, essentially a f infringements of the Constitution. I mean, there was, like I said, there was no standing army at the time. I mean, that's just, it's not in the Constitution. The federal government not, does not have the power to do that. We have many agencies that have been born of the planes, like the BLM and ATF and different organizations like that, even the FBI, that essentially are an anathema. They are not endowed with power through the Constitution for the gov federal government to actually create those. But we let them. And so I'm saying that to say this, that it's not possible for us to depend on law enforcement to do the duty that we've been given. There is no law in the United States of America that obligates police officers to protect the citizenry. Their job is to enforce the law. Now, if they do take it upon themselves to protect the citizenry, then that is to their credit. We should honor them. But it's not their 
obligation. There's no way to hold them accountable if they don't. The, the Supreme Court of the United States has ruled seven or more times that police officers do not have a duty or an obligation to protect anyone who is not in their custody. So what does that mean? That means that somebody is charged with protecting the citizen and it's not law enforcement. So who is it? It's us. We are necessary. The only job description in the entire constitution that has necessary in front of it is the militia. <laughs> there is no other duty given by the constitution, not even given by the constitution, protected by the constitution, enumerated as a position in the country where it says not Congress, not the president, none of those say necessary in front of them. The militia, necessary for the security of a free state. Wow, I, I had no idea. I didn't even think about that. It's us, man. We are they. We are they. Matter of fact, it's even better that way. And I believe we should be working with law enforcement and going and getting trained. They have cadet training, junior officer trainings. They, I mean, imagine our society if all of the ministers were the ones who were bearing the sword, just ministers, and we all knew the community. We all knew each other. We're out there loving on our neighbors, doing essentially doing what Jesus commanded us, loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. Who better to bear the sword than a just minister of God? It was never God's desire, I don't believe, for heathens to rule over us because he said the scepter of wickedness shall not reign over his people. So I believe he always, from Adam to Israel to David, you know, um, I believe he always wanted just ministers to be his ministers, the Romans 13 minister, the judge. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 2, that don't you know that the saints will judge the world? <laughs> That's right. That's right. The just, the That's just, right. that should be us. And even even the wicked want a righteous and just person to rule over them. Jesus is the a, desire of the a wicked man or a tyrant to rule over them. Can you relate to my audience any current legislative issues that are related to the Second Amendment that are hot button issues? Well, anywhere in the country. Well, obviously, <laughs> obviously, we got Joe Biden, um, who I believe is essentially illegitimately in power, but he's still there. And so he's still able to send down edicts, executive orders and all sorts of nonsense. He's empowering the ATF, um, even trying to get a, essentially a person I would consider a wacko, a wacko wacko put as the head of ATF. The, and so what he's doing is he's weaponizing right now the ATF to go after dealers in the, in the country. Uh, essentially, what he said here recently at a meeting was that he's going after rogue dealers who are peddling mayhem on the streets and mayhem and murder on the streets. So uh, there's going to be a rationing down of federal overreach federal just imposition on people who are selling and trading firearms currently and that i mean and granted we're not all dealing and trading firearms but they're still american citizens so that's a pretty it's a pretty big deal right now and and also too that like i said there in california they are trying to pass a bill out of the senate it's, it was put into the senate by senator uh dave min and uh, he's getting lots of support on it because another uh, assemblyman named Gloria was able to pass uh, a bill, uh, I think in 2018, 
whereby they were able to stop gun shows at the Del Mar uh, Fair. And so they're trying to shut down all of the gun shows at the fairs in California. And so what happens is once they get their nose in the door, they teach other jurisdictions, states, counties, cities, how to stick their nose in the door. Yeah. And so we, we, yeah. we can't, even if they get it through and it does not pass constitutional muster, they understand that prosecutocracy is slow. Justice happens slowly. Yeah. Tyranny happens fast. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> well, any, any other legislation that's uh, pertinent that our listeners need to know about? Uh, I definitely keep your eye out and call your senators. Um, there are several bills, and, I, and I, I'm not going to be able to rattle off their numbers right now, but there are several bills that are just out of control. They're radical as all get out. They've been put in by Sheila Jackson Lee, uh, the, pretty much the clown of Congress, and, and also um, our Jim Clyburn. <laughs> our resident crypt keeper that essentially would expand background checks. I, I think that it's been coined the Charleston loophole bill is Clyburn's bill. And it essentially will create a waiting period of 10 days initially right now it's three days. And if, if you don't come back with a pop, like if the feds, the federal agents don't find a background, whatever, then the sale can go on after three days. Clyburn wants to extend that to 10 days but even if in 10 days, if federal agents have not determined whether or not you have anything in your background yet, they don't have to let the, the, uh, the transaction go through. You have to appeal to the federal government to move faster. And then they have another 10 days. So essentially, and, and these are business days, essentially 20 business days they have to, to mess around. So if you're a, a single mother or you have a boyfriend or a, or a husband and, and you get beat and he goes to jail and you pull a you know, I, I'm not I'm, I'm leaving you. I'm taking the kids. And he says, when I get out of here, I'm going to kill you on Monday. If you go to get a weapon, you have to wait three days still. So now if he gets out of jail on Saturday, you can protect yourself and your children. But if Clyburn has his way. You got 30 days. Yeah. And so if he's in jail for 10, your family's going to be insecure. Yeah. At 11. I understand that. I understand that. Now, we did have a positive result from the Supreme Court, I believe, just this week um, in regards to 18 to 21-year-olds being able to uh, purchase weapons. Am I correct about that? Um, you know, I haven't looked into that the details of that. I'm not sure about that. I, well, I, I, I wish that I, I just was think I heard it on, on the radio, I believe it was yesterday, that uh, there was a decision that 18 to 21-year-olds could not be restricted as they are in some states, and that that was an unfair infringement on their right to keep and bear arms. Um, I mean, 18 to 20-year-old, 21-year-olds can vote. They can be in the military. And why would some states say that they cannot purchase a weapon? And I thought that was a fair decision by the Supreme Court. I see that. The U.S. court lifts the ban on arms sales to 18 to 21 year olds. That's outstanding. I mean, and I guess it's also it's really poignant because it's about selling the arms to them. Like, I, I don't believe it was ever in the founders minds that a 13 year old whose family was sick couldn't take his weapon, go out and hunt food for his family or fend off, you know, marauders or some British who want to try to you know, stay in his house. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I yeah. understand that fully. 
Well, now, let me ask you one other question. Tell us about the armed citizen. What, what does that mean when you talk about the armed citizen? And I think you had another phrase for that the last time we talked. We believe that we have to renew the supremacy of the Constitution, not the supremacy of federal acts. The supremacy clause should be pursuant to the Constitution, not pursuant to whatever Congress wants to do. And so what I want to do is make sure that we take constitutional terms and ideas and uphold them. And, and, and not just uphold them, but hold them up so the world can see them. Like the term militia should not have a stench in the nostrils of Americans. It's, it is our state of being. <laughs> it should be as common as Kmart right. in our conscience, but it's not right now. And so we call it the 2A for today, modern militiamen. Essentially, that armed citizen is someone who is going to be able to prevent the uh, and, uh, just aggression, prevent people who have ambition that want to terror, terrorize and and uh, and oppress different peoples. I hear recently there was a guy in Chicago who was sitting on his front porch firing off his nine millimeter into the sky, having his own little personal Cinco de Mayo. And there were kids playing around. And so the people were like, hey, man, could you, could you stop doing that? There's some kids over here. And so the guy thought about it, you know, and as a good neighbor, he considered it and then thought, you know what, I'll just shoot everybody. And so he started shooting people. And uh, a our 2A for today modern militiaman, our hero, had a concealed carry permit in Illinois. He pulled out his weapon and he fired three well-placed shots. And the um, the perpetrator limped off into a building nearby. Now that perpetrator came back out and he did uh, kill a woman, but our two A for today modern militiaman was there to buy police officers time right now. I'm not trying to say that uh, our, our militia can should arrest people and we should be running around here trying to be law enforcement in that way. We just need to protect our communities long enough for those who can jail these folks to arrive. That's right. That's right. And we ought to be able to protect our homes in the middle of the night from thieves and robbers and drug addicts. And Absolutely. I mean, my my community in the upstate, every week in the news is a story of somebody's home being broken into, cars being broken into, mostly by people that are intoxicated or on drugs. And people need to have the right to defend their home and their property. And that's what the, the modern militiamen and the armed citizen is able to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I really want to be able to get the mindset about community back to where it's not just me to carry my arms in order to be like Charles Bronson or, or, you know, <laughs> Clint Eastwood, go ahead and make my day. I want us to be thinking that we need to protect our neighbors. We should be a community that is able to call each other. I know, I know who belongs at your house. I'm not going to come over there and shoot your dog, no. but our, a law enforcement officer might, I'm not saying he wants to kill your dog, but he doesn't know yet. That's right. And Zoe, I want to thank you for being on our program, and I thank you for being so knowledgeable. And your video production is called 2A for Today, and you can find it uh, at the New American Magazine. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Is I, am I correct about that? Absolutely. That's correct. Yep. And I thank you for your time, and I hope you'll my listening audience will join us again next week in More Than Medicine. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information on how to contact the Jackson family, to schedule a speaking engagement, or how to obtain Dr. Jackson's books, 
go to jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast was produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions.